Welcome to a football show, special Brian Callahan edition of the program, brought to you by Sinker's Beverages and the Kingston Group. He is Zach Lyons. I am Braden Gall, and it is great to be here with you guys at a slightly different time on a Thursday. But uh, you know what? When the Titans scheduled the introductory press conference for their new head football coach, we have to wait until after that to do the show, Zach. So welcome uh, to the program. We have lots to discuss today, not just what did we learn about Brian Callahan? We learned some things about Brian Callahan at that introductory press conference. Things I think fans should be excited about, Zach. Uh, also, it's just a press conference. Just going to say that about 100 times today on the show. Just a press conference. But we learned some stuff. And Zach is our translator. So um, stick with us. I got two really important things I think fans need to know and get excited about moving forward. We're going to do that because the Titans' power structure has been clearly defined and is totally different than the last time we were on with you guys on Monday for a football show or Monday night when they announced the hiring of Coach Callahan. So, Sinker's Beverages, Kingston Group, let's jump right in here, Zach. Your reaction, first and foremost, acknowledging that every coach, almost every coach, outside of a few random losers, uh, win the introductory press conference and that the introductory press conference can't be taken too seriously, but you got to try to translate it. So, what did you learn, Zach? What did I learn or what did I think? Both, both. <laughs> so well, right what I think is right I was kind of a little underwhelmed. And, I, and I, you know, I got maybe he lost me when he started thinking in-laws and stuff like that. He, he completely lost me there. Like, OK, we're, we're getting too far into the weeds. Like, is he Mormon? And if he's Mormon, that's OK. But like, what's with all these family members that he had to go through to to thank individually? I mean, he had like, what, five cousins named Brian or Jack or something like I think we're good. Like, thank your family, thank your dad and your mom, thank a couple of coaches, let's move on. Because, I mean, that was just way too long. And I also thought that it's very interesting that, again, Amy Adams Strunk and Rand Carthon both decided that, um, oh, I'll put it on the wrong YouTube. Uh, <laughs> either way, folks, are, they folks both decided. Are, can, can we add both we, decided, we can add it, is what you're saying? Okay, okay, okay I'll, I'll get it. Hey, let me... I think it's very underwhelming. I can't do two things at once. So um, I think it's very underwhelming, uh, but it was a good press conference. I just think that Rand Carthon, if you're comparing introductory press conferences, I think Rand Carthon's introductory press conference was better. I also think that uh, I like that Mike Vrabel at Rand Carthon's introductory press conference took questions. And here we are again, Amy Adams drunk. Oh my Lord. Just, if, if you're going to have to read everything, I'd just rather you not get up there. But can you not speak from the heart about this head coach? Uh, and then Rand Carthon didn't ask answer any questions about anything of the process or anything like that, which I find very odd. He did lay out the same details that Burke Nihil already laid out. Yeah, uh, She basically regurgitated what Burke Nihil said and what she wrote in the statement earlier. I just felt like it started. it just did not start strong. And but it ended really well. I just thought it didn't start strong. Okay, um, you go ahead and get the YouTube thing set up, and I'll give you sort of my reaction because I had a similar reaction um, to what you're talking about, which is that when Brian Callahan, I, I think Brian Callahan comes off much like Rand Carthon came off. And to your point, I think they are they they come across as likable individuals. Uh, number one, the air in the building. Uh, I was there and talking to some folks around the the the. The franchise that it is certainly a lighter, more airy atmosphere than when Mike Vrabel was around. He certainly was a a large presence and a and a figure that sort of like 
was a part of the the environment there. And I think people are lighter and airier and moving around. And and I think Rand comes up came off in his introductory press conference last year as likable. And I think Brian Callahan comes off as very likable. Um, I, I think getting emotional about Cincinnati stuff, we can get into that. If you, I don't again, I don't think we can read we can, I think we can read too much into sort of how he handled things. I think you're to your point, Amy Adam Strunk spoke for, I think I wrote down it was between 90 seconds and two minutes. Um, very structured. Oh, it was way longer than that. I mean, my God, it was so much longer than that. Uh, uh, you, you're, I don't know about that. Um, I, it, <laughs> he spoke for forever. It felt, <laughs> it felt so long. Well, I thought she and Rand did largely nothing. Um, which again, it's totally yeah. fine. It's Brian Callahan's day, but ne- neither one of them did much of anything in, in this situation. And that, and again, it's just a press conference. We're going to get to the power structure of the Titans organization and, what, what the new structure means for the team, for Brian Callahan, for Rand Carthon, for Amy Adams Strunk. We'll get to all of that because that's really the biggest news since the announcement of Brian Callahan on Monday night. The biggest piece of news is that we now have a very clear vision of what the Titans power structure is going to be. So we'll get to that uh, a little bit later on. But otherwise, I, I you know, I don't have a problem with him. Um, I don't want to say being sort of so, so different from Vrabel and the way he's thinking in laws and the way he's the way he's approaching this stuff. I, I don't think that's, I, I don't know. There's different ways to be a good leader. Um, I thought Vrabel was a very good leader when it came yeah, to. Yeah, I don't think that has says an indictment on, on him as a person or him as a coach. I just think that like, as a, as a decision maker, when you're writing the speech, do we really need all these names? Like, do we really need all these names? No, we well, don't need all these names. You know what it felt like, honestly? Uh, and, and I, you know, you're probably they not needed wrong. That, that playoff music for the Oscars <laughs> is what they <laughs> <You're>, need. <laughs> Yeah, come on, move it along, Brian. No, I yeah, think move it along. Um, I mean, because everybody's there for the football stuff, and understands his day and everything. I'm not trying I, to be a dick about it. I just oh, you're like such a dick, man. At, at some point, like, <laughs> let's get to like we don't need to thank your 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 dead cat. We don't need to thank right, you know right. the, the the trash guy or anything. Like, let's move on. Here's what it did feel like, and uh, and I think you can tell there isn't a huge advantage to Brian Callahan being in a football family, huge advantage, just being around the game. He talked about learning things through osmosis, whether it's schematics and John Gruden's play act, you know, playroom or how he communicates with players or coaches or peers or colleagues or fans or media. Like it's, it's clearly a huge advantage for a young person to have, have spent his entire life around the NFL. That's a huge advantage. Um, You could tell, in my opinion, the reason he did that, this is just an assumption here, not having talked to anybody in the room or anything about it. It felt like I have worked my entire life to try to earn this on my own without my dad. And I finally got it. So now I'm going to, you guys are going to listen to my fucking list <laughs> is sort of how it list. is sort of how it felt. Um, so it, yes, he said, he, I will not explain Someone what happened in the elevator, but the worst part of the event was our elevator ride up. I'll, you know what? Tune into the hot read podcast uh, later on today and maybe Easton will explain what happened. So, um, yeah. Uh, that's well, that's for, I'm just assuming one of you farted. Uh, it's way worse. <laughs> oh God! One of you shit yourselves. It's, no, that's my that's my that's unfortunately my dog here at home who I got home and I had to clean it all up. So anyway, um, so I, I think I, I think the the tone and this is what you expected. Players disciplinarian ego guy. Although I do think Vrabel is far better at the psychology of leadership and caring about his players than than people are going to give him credit for. Callahan certainly comes off as the, the the pendulum swing to the other direction, which is just sort of analytical and thoughtful and nuanced and certainly l- lighter to approach. But I think there's I, I'm curious if you 
if this is what you're talking about, about what you picked up on, there's an element of being an NFL head football coach where you need a little bit of that Vrabel ego. You, you kind of do. And I don't know, maybe everybody has ego. Everybody has it. And I, and maybe in 2024, you don't need as much of it. Maybe that's what's happening to football. Well, they to the NFL. It. They just display it differently. But to your point about watching the Bobby Slowick stuff and how it didn't come off like you didn't you weren't inspired. Yeah, I think it's, when it's, you it's, it's like Amy Adams strength <laughs> level of like boringness. When you swing the pendulum back the other direction, though, you you expect it to feel pretty drastic. And I think in the room, it is a drastically different energy. And the question is, is how different is that for the players? And if it's not, he still has a little bit of that, like, and he said it today. He said, look, sometimes you got to, and I'm going to paraphrase here, you got to crack the whip sometimes. You got to know when you got to be more colorful and more explosive with your commentary and be more constructive with your feedback, you know, that kind of stuff. But I, I don't, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I don't think any fan should take anything from, hey, he's really brilliant at, you know, being a football coach because he got emotional about, the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't think there is a through line or a connection to any of that stuff. No, that that has nothing to do with coaching. Yeah. The the whole thinking and getting emotional has nothing to do with coaching, which is why I was a little peeved that people kept bringing it back to that uh, when you when the media started asking questions. Hey, no, you don't want to get you a little emotional, but here's a fucking emotional question. Then it like rattled off like three to four really bad questions from the media, and I was just dying on the inside because <laughs> it was a different so room. Good. It was He's a different so room. Good at talking about football and explaining nuances and giving you details, and everybody's like, "Well, explain what the conversation was like with your dad." Unless the conversation with his dad is about requesting permission to for, for to, to interview him. I, At that point, you don't. You should not care. He already told you. Okay, let me. Let, I agree with you. I'm going to say this because I don't. There's no point in. I'm not going to be rude about this. It was a different room than normal. Because it's an introductory press conference, there were faces that are there that are not normally there, and it was a little bit more. It was a little different, just in general, than the press conferences I've been to before. There's a couple of new faces, and I just they those questions came from some new faces, and that's okay. It's just different, um, and so the, the the folks that were asking the the you know the, the main key pieces of the um tight Tennessee Titans media core were the ones that asked the good questions um and I could yeah. rattle off the names except but you guys, for, you guys PK when he asked the three four question that was a, a silly question bad question from the meet from the, on the football like when every other football question I thought was really good but that was the the one bad like football related question that was like I can't believe PK asked it because I'm pretty sure I've heard him on the radio say hey you shouldn't get wrapped up at three four four three because it's all multiple yeah. anyway and I'm like yeah. well, why yeah. did he have not asked that question <laughs> Well, and sometimes you sometimes you ask questions to specifically get a yes no answer, and some that one's not one that you would you would want a yes no answer on. Um, yeah. Sometimes you have to do ask you do have to ask the question to try to get a specific yes no, and then move move on. Normally, you want to ask open ended. The only one that that I would have asked, and honestly, I didn't. It wasn't didn't feel like the right place. Um, is about sort of like what has he learned through his career because he's got this lifetime of football knowledge. What has he learned to this point about how much a head coach can influence the overall health of your roster? That that is something I would like to know about what how he see what strategies as a head coach can you do can you implement or not implement to yeah, affect. I was a little surprised that question didn't get to affect the injuries. There. That was the only one that I that I thought you know hey I you know if if it kept going they eventually cut us off and and um but that's the only one. It's also we got lots of time for that question. As yeah. he said today, there's lots of time for the X's and O's stuff. Lots of time for 
to go a little deeper into the nuances of, of the stuff. But I think um, I think the casual fan that's tuning in is going to really like him, that he's more approachable from a media standpoint, which is going to mean more transparency. And to, I think somebody in the comments said it doesn't look like he wants to punch everybody in the face, which, yes, Mike Vrabel is a very intimidating personality. Um, but there's more there's more than one way to skin a cat and win in the NFL. And so we shall see. Uh, about well, you're going to get a lot of details from him. It sounds like you're, you know, how you had I to ask the perfect question to Mike Vrabel because you've talked about this on the show. You have to ask yep. like the perfect question to get really Mike Vrabel talking. Yep. And and I feel like with Callahan, you're going to ask a question. He's actually going to give you the uh, a smart, detailed answer, even if you weren't really looking for a smart, detailed answer. And I think that would be the big difference between him and Vrabel. You know, specifically, Agreed. I think. Again, the biggest difference to me is that, like, I, I thought that he had a lot of questions to or answers to questions that didn't come off as coach speak because Vrabel was really good about coach speak and it and it drives everybody nuts and a lot of coaches are. It's not, but we're comparing Callahan to Vrabel, but like when they asked about, you know, what are you looking for in defensive coordinator traits, this or that, he said. I think about what what has been hard on me. What defenses have made it hard on me as a, a to scheme from an offensive coordinator point of view? That's what I want. Like I want the, and that explains why he's going to the Ravens, right? It, he plays the Ravens, uh, played uh, against Mike McDonald now four times. Uh, if you include two two last year, two this year, and he's getting a guy that has learned the Mike uh, McDonald. Um, under Mike McDonald. So like that makes sense, right? Like I I like that. To me that's like tangible proof like this guy is thinking on a higher he's communicating at least that he is thinking on a higher level than maybe previous coaches that we have seen in the past. And I think that's to be expected from an offensive minded head coach. I just thought that was really good. I also thought um the way that he talked about analytics is just finally like I have a guy that I know that if I write an article and I'm looking because I look, I got all these pieces of paper on analytics right now about the Cincinnati Bengals right in front of me. I am going from I got 2019 all the way to 2023. I'm sorting through the data and I'm thinking, OK, well, I have the data. That means I can pretty accurately predict what this offense is going to look like once I amass all this data together. And he he's like, it's black and white. There is no feelings like you know how Vrabel we talk about is like, oh, what's well, just a supplement? No, this is black and white information. It's mm. it's science, it's math, and he's viewing it that way, and he's going to use it a lot. It's not maybe not going to dictate every decision that they make, but when you talk about there, it's going to be used way way more than what Vrabel did. Like I, there was a bump from when John Robinson left to the analytics, and now there's going to be a yeah. big jump up. Well, and what he said, and I think I, I think I put out the quote um, on my account, which is basic. Basically, yes, I, I, because the question about analytics was asked about across the board, scouting, scheme, game plan, in-game decisions was the question. I think from 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 Paul actually, and ultimately the quote was basically, and I'm I'm kind of sort of here you go. You're using hard, concrete data to inform decision making. The more you have, the better your decisions. I believe in it. They are important. But he didn't say it's the only thing, though, which, again, most yeah. smart coaches say it's definitely a huge piece of our decision making process. And the more information we have, the better our decisions can be. But you I still say have coaches say that you still have to make sometimes your decision might go against the analytics still. 
is what I heard there. Yeah. <laughs> so so he, he gave himself room to say, look, this is about giving ourselves as much information as possible to make as informed a decision as possible. Sometimes we'll go right along with it. Occasionally we might not, but it's about acquiring as much information as possible. And so, uh, I mean, I think, look, the, the relationship, the chemistry, I think Amy Adams Strunk said this, it was all about the chemistry between Rand Carthon and Brian Callahan. And we'll get into the power structure in a second. Um, Cause I think the whole final say and collaboration, I, I think it's a little overblown because if you're not working together, it's going to fail no matter who has final say ultimately. Um, but the vibes, right? the vibes, like, are, the vibes are there for, for everybody. So, I mean, it was very, very vibe heavy um, when it comes to I, I why the relationship came together. We, you know, the trait, uh, for the wide receiver was interesting. The first thing that he said was selfless. And that's just was another way to say, you're not always going to get the ball, but you're also going to have to run block. <laughs> you know, I just thought that was, it's just funny The you know, every listen, all your wide receivers have to run block, but it's, but for him, it's like selfless in a different way, getting, getting yourself uh, down the field. So someone else can get open. They, that wide receiver room, uh, has done, and he also said big, strong, fast, which is not so different than what no. the Titans have generally gone with. But I think that the fast part is probably <laughs> going to play a little bit more. Don't you talk about NWI that way. Been. Don't you talk about uh, NWI that way. And then he wants everybody, he wants the players that he wants to make the team resilient and relentless. And I thought those were really good adjectives to use to describe what you're looking for because he talks about his own resiliency and the resiliency of the entire team of the Cincinnati Bengals during the dark days, which was a great question by Nick Suss. Uh, but he talks about that because right now, Tennessee Titans are likely coming out of a dark day and maybe not going to see a lot of light in 2024. We'll see what the roster looks like and the coaching staff looks like, but there's, could be a good chance that there is a 2019 Bengals-esque season on the horizon and that everybody's going to have to be patient that it's going to take time to get to get where you want where everybody wants to be and that is sustained yeah. excellence which is a direct jab at what Mike Vrabel has done the last two years. Uh, I thought the quote of Jurgen Klopp, of course, which is a famed soccer coach, won over a lot of the press corps. Uh, the fact that uh, I'm sure the fact that the fact there's a bunch that of probably giant, was the only thing they were like, oh, well, this guy's it. The super nerds, the super nerds. Uh, there's a lot of soccer fans uh, that work for the Titans and work in the media core for the Titans. So they love the Jurgen Klopp uh, reference there. The quote who's a Liverpool coach, very, very famous European soccer coach. Um, but basically, you know, all the all the buzzwords, man, I just I don't think I want to talk more about like what I believe Callahan and Carthon can do together then almost, unless you've got, I do square up says hunting at the same time. Isn't the same as, as hunting together um, under Brian Callahan. We will hunt together. I think that's an interesting analogy. I think that's smart. I mean, you, you know, that's like any good. It, it's a shot. We can, uh, it, we can call I, it. It's a shot. I, I think that's, I think that's fair. Um, so uh, Daniel says the clock quote was the best part of the entire presser. Look, I, I, I I'm surprised as many people kind of agree with you because I felt a similar way that like, okay, I think this guy knows football. I think he's been around the game and I think Titans fans have lots of reasons to be excited about him being the head coach of the team. But like, the does this guy was great. Does this guy exude like, I'm going to like, 
what 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 was the movie 300 like i'm gonna like remember the alamo shit like that's that's what vrabel exuded and certain guys exude and he does not and that does not mean he's not going to be a great football coach matt lafleur has none of that shit <laughs> well it also doesn't mean that so. he doesn't exude that in, in the meeting rooms right. or on right. the field at practices yet right. i mean I don't think that Vrabel was particularly exuded that from his pressers. Uh, I think he exuded that in other ways. So maybe that'll be the same for Brian Callahan, but I also don't need that. Right. Like I don't need the, you know, it's not important. Yeah. I don't need. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like it's, it's just really not that important. And if that's your, I feel like this, um, I think it was Vrabel last year after the drafts of like the drafts, your best night then you did not have a good career in the NFL or something of that effect. And I agree. I yeah, agree. Yeah, yeah. But that also makes me think like, if that's your best feature, you're probably not going to be a, a, a sustainable yeah. long-term yeah. head coach. So if there's just so much that goes into it. I thought the stuff about him shutting down the question pretty quick or putting the doubts, like, are you worried about, you know, play calling duties and blah, blah, blah. And he was just like quick with, it. he's like, no, nah, I'm prepared. And that's, and he, he is right. Like you, that's why you hired him in five years. You spend five years next to a non-play calling offensive coordinator turned play calling head coach. You pick up on stuff. Uh, he, he's been around his dad. Who's been an offensive coordinator and a head coach. You just pick up on stuff. I mean, along your way. So I was never, it was never a necessity for me when coaches got high, when the coaches were coming through. But as far as being concerned about it, I don't see any reason to be concerned. No, it doesn't I, mean he's I'm, a good play caller or anything, but I mean, right. It's, we'll see. it's to me, the only thing you can evaluate right now is, is the strategy. And the strategy is to hire an, a young up and coming offensive mind who is a young play caller who grew up in the game and is about and has and is ready to take his turn at the wheel. And that's what you hired. And that is the whole like the most important thing we learned today is that he is going to call plays. <laughs> like that is to, like again, oh. we can we can we can learn a lot of other things, but um I think to me that that is what I wanted to hear in that answer was yes, this is I, this is why I want to be here. Is I have I have learned I understand offenses, I have certain philosophies that I want to bring, but I've learned from elite level quarterbacks and explaining the quarterbacks and how different quarterbacks need different types of scheme and different types of approaches, all good, smart stuff, um, put players in the position to succeed. Most coaches say all this stuff at the press conference, but like with him, I, because Peyton Manning and Matt Stafford and Joe Burrow are so different and Derek Carr are so different and you have had success with all those guys, I think speaks to his ability to adapt to his personnel with Will Levis. I think it's far more Matt Stafford than it is Peyton Manning. He did say he wants a lot of high completion percentages, which I thought was interesting. Uh, well, he also said stuff about route spacing and stuff like that, which which will help that. Yes, that's true. To me, it's it's about I Protection. I thought his yeah. Well, I thought that's what I was going to get it at was that I thought that his answer about protection, the holistic point of view of it all, it was so refreshing and it's so true. It's stuff that we have talked about on football and other f words before. I've written about it. Is that even if you have a bad offensive line. There are ways that other players can mitigate the bad offensive line. And the Tennessee Titans last year did not do that. And we have seen, maybe it's just Joe Burrow magic, but we saw Jake Browning do it. We have seen them mitigate a bad offensive line with both Joe Burrow and Jake Browning to put up points and to win games. Now, 
does not mean that you can ignore offensive line. And I'm I'm kind of the the I'm kind of under the thought process or thought logic train, whatever you want to call it, that he's coming from a team that has had a terrible offensive line, but an all pro top tier quarterback and top tier weapons to a team that has the bad offensive line and none of that. <laughs> I think offensive line is going to be a pretty big priority. Yeah. Now, if you get Bill Callahan or Mike Munchak, maybe it's a different looking kind of priority. Maybe they look at Jalen Duncan as a right tackle. Bill Callahan comes in, watches tape, meets his guys. And he's like, well, I could do this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. I can at least get to starting level for average. And then we draft a guy, go next to Peter Skaronsky. And I think we're good. Get us a center. And I think we're fine. Yeah. Yeah, like, so that's to me is what Bill Callahan brings to you is that maybe not every resource you have has to go to offensive line. If you get Bill Callahan or Mike Munchak, maybe less resources are put into the offensive line. Yes, there's two. And there were two reports out of Cleveland, one saying that Bill Callahan is interested and will expect it to be coming to the Titans. One said he's not. Mary Kay Cabot, who is very well sourced up there, said that she expects it to happen. Obviously, they could not say anything about it today. That What I wrote down when he said that about protection was the he called protection to, of the quarterback a holistic offensive problem. Uh, and he, and he, talk, he talked about receivers having to win one-on-ones. I don't think the Titans have had a quarterback, frankly, to beat to beat that type of pressure, honestly. I think they might have it now, and I think the quarterback is the start. The, tr- the trigger person has to be the first solution. you got to see it you got to get out of bad plays, and you got to get rid of the football fast. And that's just not Tannehill's strength, and Will Levis is going to have to show us that he can do that because right now they don't have a lot of guys who can win one-on-ones outside of maybe DeAndre Hopkins. So a uh, question here on can Callahan improve Traylon Burks um, or Kyle Phillips' development? Uh, only time will tell how granular he will be on on individual personnel. But he's, an, he's a quarterback by nature and an offensive guy, so I would hope so. <laughs> yeah, I I, it'll be answer. interesting to see the I, – I think – we can read more into once he has hired the offensive coordinator and hired the wide receiver coach, maybe we get some more insight, but, and I haven't do- dove deep into the 2019 personnel, but Kyle Phillips may be eliminated because they may not have use for a wide receiver of his size. So I don't know, we'll but there could be when you look at the wide receivers at the San Francisco 49ers and the Cincinnati Bengals filled, I don't I can't think of a guy that is anything like Kyle Phillips that either of those teams have had. So I think when you're talking about is Tyler Boyd not a better version today, of that? He's way bigger. He's a he's sure. actually tall and tall and thick, and he's old. Um, he's very but old. so he's not really your traditional slot guy like Kyle Phillips is like Kyle okay. Phillips is like Wes Welker. You know, you're, you're, you're smaller guys that can get open in short space, but they may have to have a need for it. I just, it'll be interesting to see yeah. to me. It'll be interesting to see once we have the staff in place, what that says about like who me, cause me and Stoney were already talking about you hire a coach now, who benefits the most from that coach? Oh, no. What I, has that coach done I, in the past? Like, to it, me, it's like Bill Callahan comes in. I bet he would say, Well, I could do a lot more with Jalen Duncan than I can do with NPF. Uh, I mean, I think actually they're probably very similar from a from an overall upside. But I think from a Bill Callahan standpoint, I think that he's going to look at the guy that is fully, completely more athletically talented. 
than the guy that's a little bit slower and has gambling problems. <laughs> it wasn't a gambling. It was a gambling problem. Um, I, here's what I would say. I think the obvious answer is is in, any young, any young like Spears, Wiley, Aconquo, Burks, Hopkins, Levis. That that because here here, look, here let's let's transition this to. I think there's two things, two major things that I think Tennessee Titans fans should be genuinely excited about. And, and I say this as someone who's skeptical of firing Mike Vrabel to some degree. But just because I'm skeptical of everything in general, and and I'm a little more conservative on on making moves. Sinker's Beverages, Kingster Group. First, though, let me tell you guys about them. Sinker's Beverages. Uh, I am wearing a hat right here. Says Southern Grist. You can get Southern Grist beer at Sinker's Beverages. Uber Eats. Search Sinker's Beverages, and have that booze delivered directly. Zach Lyons to your house. They drive so you can drink. There you go. Back to back champions. Back to back champions in the city of Nashville. Sinker's Beverages. So make sure you check them out again. The bourbon selection they've got—they've got more handles of good bourbon than anywhere I've found in the entire city. Maybe that's just something about my habits <laughs> than anything else. Uh, but they've got like you know the handle of Elijah Craig, the handle of High West, the handle of Knob Creek. Like they've got handles of stuff that that sometimes you don't find elsewhere. So uh, you get good value there. Great selection, huge beer fridge, great wine prices. Their champagne prices are like three dollars better than any any place I ever have ever shopped before. That's what my like my wife likes to drink, so go check it out. Um, also, uh, Kingston Group, BuildKG.com. Uh, I do think, and we'll get to transparency when we get to Rand. But here's the number one thing that I think Titans fans should be most excited about when it comes to Brian Callahan, and and that is his, his essentially his offensive philosophy of and and he said and he, he said this and I tweeted it out. We're gonna we're gonna be physical. We're gonna do the whole. He said the whole thing. He did the clear. He cleared his throat, and then he said, "We're gonna run the football when we need to run the football." Yeah. And in my opinion, running the football when you need to is short yardage, goal line, maybe bad weather, and with a lead. It's situational. His commitment to the passing game and his overall theory, as he said more than one time, is the team that passes the football best wins the games, and having that philosophy to come into this Titans organization, even though he said, Hey, it's the Titans identity to be physical. We're going to run the football. He kind of tweaked it at the end and said, we're going to run the football when we need to. And that is, well, then he later, he went on and said, he's like, basically he said, throw balance out the window, whatever we have to do on Sunday, we're going to fucking do it. If we have to pass 50 times a game, we're going to pass 50 times a game. If that's the best way to win. If it's running the ball 50 times a game, we're going to, that's why Joe Mixon has been such a, a frustrating fantasy player to own is because you don't know what they're going to do with Joe Mixon. Yeah, is he yeah. Joe Mixon? Is this going to be the game where Joe Mixon gets like four touchdowns or the game where he gets like 30 yards and 10 carries? Like you just don't know what you're going to get out of Joe Mixon week to week. Um, he, but, he had a little sparkle in his eye when he was like, Oh, we ran the ball when we needed to. He, he, yeah, you know, it, he had a little, like, he, it, you know, he cracked a little it, smile. Like uh, we, we're a passing team and we're going to throw it and whoever throws it best. But when we, we need to run it, we're going to run it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so to, to me, it's just like, you know, it, it's it's a refreshing because you know that it's not he's not giving you the passer rating, win the turnover battle, uh, establish the run game and protect the quarterback. You know, <laughs> he, he's giving you way more insight and it's refreshing we still have to see it on paper because I mean, just a cursory glance of some of the numbers I'm looking at, they run on first downs at a higher rate. So, so I, uh, no! these, that was early. 
that was early in the career of it. So I don't know where we stand in 2022 and 2023 yet, but it's like, they're pretty high on the first down run rate stuff. So, you know, let's be careful here. I, I think but too, you may get less run, run pass and maybe run pass pass. Well, and, and Joe Mixon to, to your point, Joe Mixon is a very versatile player. He, he's he's a guy, and again, if you go back, I'm, I'm pulling up his stats just to make sure I've got this. I mean, he had 64 targets this year, 75 targets the year before that, 48 targets the year before that. He had 55 targets as a second-year player. He's had 4,000-yard seasons, but also over 50 catches multiple times. So th- this is a, a this is not a Derrick Henry type of, of, of offense. Mixon is more of a Tajay Spears type of player, which, frankly, Tajay Spears, I think, would have been an excellent player for the Tennessee Titans this year, no matter who they hired. Or if they kept Vrabel, to be honest with you, um, but I do think he's. I think he actually is to me. He's a little smaller, but he. I think he actually reminds me a lot of Joe Mixon, to be honest with you. He, so. He's a lot like a their other running back, like in terms of size, stature, ability, and Chase Brown. Well, yeah, the, the other running back there. Yeah. I, I think they're they're eerily similar, but it will definitely be Spears season plus plus whoever else. It, yeah. it will be. It will be a very. They're they're they're. You're gonna see a massive bump in eleven personnel usage. I can go ahead and tell you that is that last year they used um, it, they they typically are around seventy six percent personnel usage. Titans were at sixty nine percent. Doesn't that sound like that big of a difference? But it is a big difference when you factor in that they're much better at it <laughs> than Tennessee Titans because yeah. they have wide receivers, and I think you're gonna see a complete overhaul of the wide receiver room and all that kind of stuff. Um, I do think you need some veteran. I know a bunch of you guys have asked about well, coordinators this is about as good as my beard is ever going to look. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, and, and his hair on top is better yeah. than my hair will ever look. So it's just, is what it is. Uh, that's why we balance each other out. No, I, I have seen a few comments about veteran coordinators. I do think he needs some veteran coordinating experience on the staff. I think that's fair, but getting back to the, 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 he who passes wins philosophy. Um, I, I mean, I don't. I can't think of a single head coach in Titans history that that probably has. I mean, Wisenhunt was an offensive guy and call, and could call plays if he needed to. But like, he, that's an old, such an old school way, and he was just such a curmudgeon. I, I, I don't. This is the first time I can think of it in, in Titans history that they have a coach from this sort of lane of of, of football. And I think that should be refreshing yeah. and exciting. It doesn't mean he's going to be great at play calling or that Will Levis is going to be great or that they're going to work great together and they're going to win games. But it should be, you should be excited about trying this strategy for the first time really in franchise history. And I think that's something you should be excited about um, just just in general. So, uh, yeah, Daniel says I, I, think, I think you're right on that. Um, I think for the most part that... If you're not if you're not excited about the football aspect of Brian Callahan coming out of the presser and what this next era of Titans fandom is going to be, then you're probably just never going to be happy. Like at this at this point, um, you're just never going to be happy if you are still clean, pining for Mike Vrabel and saying that was the wrong move, and that Brian Callahan will never be as good as Mike Vrabel. If you're still that person, you're just never going to be happy. I mean, like, you really got to, you know, go see. I, I give you my wife's number. You can go see. She's a uh, marriage and family counselor. And she can maybe repair whatever is ailing you mentally and emotionally because you're 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 a sick individual at this point. I, I will say there's – I was listening to um, 
who was I listening? I was listening to uh, to PK show talking about with some people that were dogging on Tannehill, and like it, it does feel like. And I know the Titans haven't had good quarterbacks. It's basically McNair, Tannehill, and then like Mariota in the Titans era. So it's not like they've got a large pool to choose from here of of elite quarterback. Billy Volick, he's top four. Kerry Collins had a thirteen win season. Like I know, I know, but like. D- d- it was funny, like people just still shitting all over Ryan Tannehill. And like they were a very successful winning football team. It doesn't mean he's elite. It doesn't mean he's great. He doesn't mean he's a champion, but like they were a fun team that won games more often than not. Like you could just say, like, oh, he's not that great, but like he was pretty good for us and we had a good time. And yeah. now it's time to move on. Like it's okay. You don't have to like just it's shit on everybody. On. Like, oh, you're not Tom Brady? Fuck you. <laughs> Like it can like, be, it can be it's more nuanced than that. What what being in the modern NFL is like? It'll be very interesting. Uh, you know, this is not my father's NFL. Is a fantastic statement. Uh, it hasn't been your father's NFL for about eight years, nine years now. But at least maybe you guys are going to have like a real big jump start and get back. Maybe maybe you can't get to twenty twenty four in one season, but maybe you can get to at least like 2020 in terms of modern day offenses and yeah. stuff. But part of that is going to be going to require coaching staff that also lives in a century, right? That also lives in modern day. So you may, so going for, um, and, and he, it's per, not that great of an example, but you know, maybe going for a wink Martindale or James Betcher, May guys who have had successful defenses before, but but struggle with the new way to attack offenses successfully by being adaptable and flexible is not the way to go. And they are two seasoned veteran defensive coordinators. Like who are the who are the veteran defensive coordinators that are out there that is going to really scare Brian Callahan if he were to face them on the opposite side. There's probably not many, but not with not with Joe Burrow why, and Jamar Chase. <laughs> yeah, but that's why you have to go. Maybe you're going to see names that you're probably not too familiar with. Yeah. Uh, Denard Wilson was a very surprising name that I had no connect has no connection other than that we know of to um, uh, Brian Callahan, but he has a connection to Rand Carthon. He does have a connection to Chris Harris too, but a guy like that. Yeah, sure. He may not be a veteran defensive play caller, but he may be the right defensive coordinator. The, to me, it's about getting yeah. the right guy, not the most experienced guy. Well, and I'm also I'm also okay with like a Thomas Brown and a Wilson as your coordinators if you're bringing in Bill Callahan and David Shaw and bringing experience in lower down on the ranks. Like yeah. you can do, you can bring experience in in different forms. They don't have to be the coordinator necessarily. So you, I, I think it's, having it's, some a mix is is a smart idea. Yeah, it's very important for me. And I think for the way this this team wants to move forward into the next century is to get people that are flexible, adaptable, and are currently at a high rate and a high success rate, very successful at their staffing position. So obviously, even though Bill Callahan is uh, very old, I don't, I don't, can't remember how old he is, but even though that he's very old, he is obviously a guy that has uh, adapted his coaching style, his uh, way that he teaches, the way that he communicates with players to this modern age. He's been part of flexible offenses like the Cleveland Browns offense, and he's gone up against 
uh, defenses. So that is that is someone that you bring in that's older but flexible and adaptable. Wink Martindale does not fit that. Yeah, so no, you I agree. I agree. By by pigeonholing coordinators or coaches or as old guys, vets. We got to get the vets, and you got to be very careful because that doesn't fit. That that's does not fit with what where the NFL is going necessarily, unless there's someone. Gosh, who would have been? It's it's wisdom. Time. Steve Spagnola. Steve Spagnola is a okay. good example okay. of a, a veteran defensive coordinator that changes up his looks and adapts to the situation, but he's not available. So you got it. Who's the next Steve Spagnola out there? No, I don't. Yeah, we'll, they'll, they'll, we'll see. We'll see. The, the staff will be fascinating. Um, all right. So the other thing that I think is again, I, that I would be excited about. And I think some of this is just, maybe this is media brain. I'm not sure, but I, I, I truly am because I'm so tired of the, what did happen? Who was this guy? Who was that guy? This, this, this thing and that thing. And I, and I've learned some stuff even today at the press conference about some of the decisions that were made on personnel and who gets more credit for that and this, and who was in charge of this or that. And it's just, it's, it's so exhausting to relive it and it's it's so much easier to just draw a line in the sand and focus forward and i think that's what should be exciting about titans titans fans now is that rancar this is all on rancar's on at this point mm -hmm. but so there's two ways to look at this because it's all his show now he, he is the top he is the top guy in the organization chad brinker's not going to report to him which is a little weird and carthen has final say on the coaching staff which is a little it, it's a little weird but by and large this is a far more like regular normal gm head coach owner power structure it's clear it is defined and the expectations now are very much on Rand carthon which i find to be refreshing and easy to, to to deal with if i'm a fan and here's the thing two ways to look at this number one there's not a whole lot that he has done specifically that if i even asked him today and i said hey like give me an example anecdotally off the record of something that was like all you he could probably tell me a player and that would be something he a GM would never do in theory. But like, what is it that we can definitively say that Rand Carthon did in his first year that was like unequivocally the best thing that was that we loved it, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I think he was far more involved in the, the DeAndre Hopkins move than anyone has given him credit for previously. I do um, too. I will I will throw that out there. But ultimately, the number one thing he has done to to indicate future success is this process right here. Mm -hmm. The hiring of Bill Callahan is the first checkmark on his ledger. You can look back and say some stuff was negative or he didn't do this right. And Arden, he's, he gets Arden Key, but Key wasn't really a starter. And Brunskill and the free agent class wasn't that great, but he didn't have a lot of money and they didn't sign a lot of good play. Like We can go round and round and round on that. There's no real evidence that Rand Carthon is going to be an elite general manager outwardly that and frankly some of this is his fault because he doesn't talk to us about any of this stuff he could come out and sell himself if he wants to and according to brian callahan he is just absolutely lovely to chat with <laughs> apparently he seems um, like it i i would i think i would love it talking football with you know i agree i think i, be, I think it'd be great i don't disagree he's again his, his press conference introductory very likable i can see why those two get along very well exactly he, and i've talked to ran on the sidelines during camp he's a very like he's a likable individual he's a thoughtful guy he's a likable individual but there's nothing that he that i can like definitively say like he he drafted this player. He chose that coach. He did the first thing you can say about Rand Carthon 
is the hiring process we just watched. It was diverse. It was a wide net. They interviewed a bunch of candidates. They all seemed to be modernized and into his line of thinking. And they got the guy that seemed like the most logical and sound and best choice. I, I think that is the first time you can look at Rand Carthon and say, that's on you and we all like it so far. Now, I want to be clear on this. I want to be very clear. I have not heard a single bad take from anyone in the media or any fans really about Brian Callahan. So if it goes south, we are all wrong. <laughs> I mean, okay. the radio hosts in this town are like celebrating on Twitter. I think it's absurd. It's ridiculous. Like, it, it, I, I don't, it's okay to love your team and be excited about Brian Callahan and also say, but we just don't know what's going to happen. We, we just don't know. Yeah. We, I mean, we don't know, but I mean, I think you can, I think, I think pedigree matters when you're talking about coaching, when you're talking about all this stuff. But I, I just think, I think the way that this system is set up with Rand Carthon, Chad Brinker, and Brian Callahan is the right move to make. Now, people can, people have said, hey, well, what has Rand Carthon done to earn total control and blah, blah, blah? Well, he's GM. I mean, let's just be honest. Most GMs in this league have total control of the roster. You know, the the, the other the question you should be asking, what has Brian Callahan done to earn, you know, total control over the roster? Because the guys who have total control of the roster are guys that have earned it in other spots or have lit, been here for a long time or have... Because everybody's saying that McVay may, has final say. I don't know if he's always had final say because he Les Need had been there for forever before he got there. But at the end of the day, you can earn to have more final say. But at the end of the day, they're going to collaborate. They they were not going into this collaboration anyway. It's not like Rank Carthon's going to be like John Robinson and go rogue on a bunch of different things. These guys are clearly yes. on the same path. Yes. And it may be and terrible, terrible, but it may be great. <laughs> it may be terrible. Right, it may but be great. I don't think it's going to be because I think that Rand Carthon, ha and I've said this since last year, he has the qualifications. He has the knowledge. He has the experience that you want in a GM. You just got to let him be GM. And they didn't do that last year. And they 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 came out and they were culpable about it. You know, in the pressers yesterday, Burke Nihil said that it you know, we can't let that happen again and we have to change stuff around. And I get why Chad Brinker is reporting to Amy Armstrong because he's dealing with all this shit that has nothing to do with football. The only two things that he has that is really being dealt with football is the stuff that he was already doing. So yeah. he is working with Rand and saying, Hey man, I'm going to take all this other stuff off your plate and I'll just bring that all to Amy Armstrong. Which is the right thing to do? Like it's such and, a perfect power structure to me. If if from a guy from a football standpoint of a guy that has believed in Rand's football acumen, and I believe in Chad Brinker's acumen to run a Fortune 500 business or 100 business, I, I think he was did two of them. But also very, also very talkative, very likable, also very likable guy to to chat with as well. Yeah, so, um, yeah. But here, I mean, they, they're I, they're I wanna, doing what they should be doing. Yeah. Like this is common sense to me. The 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 yeah, and that's what I mean. Like ultimately, I don't think coaches should should have roster general manager roles. I'm okay. I don't care if Kyle Shanahan or this is ultimately what I why I'm fucking drive. I've been driven so nuts by this. Who has final fifty three and forty eight and coaching staff? Like 
I, I'm so done with that entire conversation because if you've reached the point where you guys are arguing about the 53rd player on the roster or the 48th active player or the ninth member of the coaching staff, it's not fucking working. It's not, it's not working. Like it shouldn't matter who has the, yes, ultimately you got two players and one guy has to decide who's the 53rd player and who's the 54th player. I understand that. And ultimately somebody has to decide if you love two guys in the draft, we, we have a tough decision here. We both, but like, ultimately you should get to the, if you are not on the same page, most of the time, like it's not, it, it serves no purpose to argue. Like, I don't know. Like, does that make sense? I'm so done with the final say. No, I, I'm with you, like, but it's like, and, if you're not, there's, there's also no proven method, right? It does. There's no proven method of what actually works and what doesn't work. It didn't work with Bill Belichick. It didn't, it does work with Kyle Shanahan. Okay. But he's not, he's but not there, the there's GM There's a thousand though. of times that it doesn't work, you know, uh, the other way, right? Like, but he's not the GM. Joe Doug, uh, huh? He's not the GM. He's not though. the GM, but he has the final say. Is what I'm saying. He's the, yeah. I don't care. Everybody in, huh? I that's what I'm saying is I don't give a shit about like I know that, that I'm, last. I'm agreeing with thing. you. Do you understand that I'm just agreed with yes. you? Okay. So I don't know why you're getting angry at me. I'm not angry at you. <laughs> I've agreed with. I'm providing evidence to further support your statement that it does not matter. It does not matter who has final 53 because there is no proven method either way that works. What works is when everybody's on the same page when they're hunting together. <laughs> that is what matters. Yeah. And that is what they are doing. And you should be encouraged that that's what they'll continue to do because in the interviews, they naturally transition into these football building trait discussing and defining conversations in the first Zoom interview. That's how you know that they have a good working relationship and that's all that matters. If they want to go crack beers, you know, and, and get Ubers or whatever, yeah, that yeah. I, that's whatever. I don't give a shit. They want to have like family picnics and stuff like that, whatever. As long as they have a good football relationship and that's what this is set up to do, then we're good to go. That's all that matters. doesn't matter yeah. if Callahan had final 53. It doesn't matter if Carthon does as long as they're all on the same page. But I love that we have a clear, clear, Pow defined power structure and that's what we were told we were going to get and we actually fucking got it and and i'll, I'll say this like burke nihel he's he might take this as as an insult it's not meant as one at all i think he's one of the best white house press secretaries i've ever seen um he should he should absolutely be the the gen Saki of the tennessee titans at all times because i do think that ran and amy and we've had this conversation it's not just a press conference media availability thing it is i think ran would do himself some good that if he's so personable and so good at communicating and so great at collaboration and hunting together and all these things that Brian Callahan said very clearly today, it was why he was hired as the general manager over a year ago, then you should. And and again, I've spoken with him on the sidelines of practice and been like, oh, this is a very affable guy. Like if all of that stuff is true, then you should just be able to come out and present a little bit more of what you're doing without giving giving away secrets here to your fans. And to answer questions about why you did this or why this was that or why this was this way. Or I think now that you're com in complete control, it is such an easy win for him to just come out and be a little bit more available, answer a little bit more questions, give a little bit more insight into how analytics are going to be used with this or sports medicine that or, you know, you know, whatever. Like you can just it's such an easy thing to do, especially if he's got all these skills as a, a brilliant 
relationship builder and, and communicator and all this other and stuff. He probably will because he even said, "Hey, I sucked at it. Sucked at that last year, and I could I could definitely be yeah. better at being more available in the media availability and blah 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 and all that kind of stuff." Got to see it happen, right? Sure. I mean, sure. but I mean, that is a guy that said that, "Hey, I could do something better," and hopefully he does it. So um, I think we all will see a little bit more of Rand. You're not going to see a lot of them. You're not going to see John Robinson levels of Rand Carthon. No, because there are no John Robinson levels of John Robinson, hardly anywhere across the NFL. It's very rare that you have a guy that loves the camera and loves to get out there and talk as much as he did. I did and, like, I did like that. He admitted mistakes though. Like that was a, that was yeah. a, that was a nice thing for someone to do. That was refreshing and honest. Yeah. And Hey, Kevin Dodd sucked. That was on me. <laughs> you know yeah yeah so like at the end of the day it's it's to for me yes be a little bit more be a little bit more accountable in front of the media but at the end of the day the his job is determined by the players that they sign how they perform the players that he drafts and how they perform and brian callahan staff performs yeah brian his his entire future is now tied to brian callahan probably yep um, which again, I think if you're a Titans fan and you're excited about Callahan, then you should be excited that the guy who picked Callahan, the best thing on his resume so far as the Titans general manager is this coaching search. It is. Yeah. The, it's well, it's the it, it, Brian Callahan even said like I was, was about to have felt like I was going to have to make an impassioned plea before they offered me the job on Monday night. Like yeah. he wanted to be here that back because he loved working with Rand that much. I mean, like that's called Brian Callahan Carthon and stuff I've been trying to tell people is that. I get that there was a very murky, bad free agency class, but a murky power structure and struggling. And then the team did not look, did not perform well. You know, Jim Wyatt even came out and said on Saturday, like Andre Dillard's being signed and played is Mike Vrabel. <laughs> like, him playing was all Mike Vrabel. And, you know, stuff like that. And I understand that that ultimately is also going to reflect bad on Rand. And but there's a lot that has to do with Vrabel. There's a lot that has to do with Rand. We'll see where the chips lie in a better free agency class, a little bit yep. more money, a better, deeper draft class. What can he do with some of the responsibilities of GM taking off his plate, like talking to the security guards, groundskeeper, whatever? And he's just solely focused on football. Let's see what the football guy can do when he's solely focused on football. And and, and to be clear, like while it may matter if you're doing an autopsy. Like I, I do think this was a Rand versus Mike power struggle at the end of the day. It was who's the future of the organization. Who's going to be best for the future of the organization. Well, Rand is now in charge of all of it. So it's clear that Amy went with Rand, but, but ultimately it like, there's still John Robinson, like ripple effects here. Like this mm -hmm. is not, it's, there's going to be Vrabel ripple effects and John Robinson ripple effects. Like you still have draft classes, like the was it the what was the class with Des Fitzpatrick and Darrington Evans and was that 2019? 2021. Right? Okay, I no, thought it was further back. Yeah, 2021. Either way, there's still draft classes where where yeah. John Robinson, the Caleb Farley draft class is ultimately what yeah, I'm thinking. 2021. Think. 2021. So that like that draft class was John Robinson. It was a lot of bad picks. And it's problems with the roster today into 24 with Brian Callahan and Ryan Car Rank Carthon. There's going to be Mike Vrabel players that were on this team that may be good or bad moving forward. Like, so it doesn't, you can't, you can't kind of grade him. Like, like we said, when a couple of weeks ago or a couple of shows ago, you have to start the evaluation of Rank Carthon now at, at this moment. And so far 
most people are ecstatic with the job he's done hiring Brian Callahan. And I, I have not, I will, I want to repeat this because I'm not the one saying it. So I'll be, I'll be one with my hand up in the air too. There is not a single person who's like, I don't like this hire. Bad job. So if, if it ends up going that way, we all are going to be wrong together. <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause uh, we, all, we all agree. Well, I do like about Brian Callahan. Many people not know this. Um, and I mentioned on football and other efforts last night is that he has a scouting that they, they kind of cross train their coaches to also scout. So let's say they hired Denard Wilson. He was also a pro scout. seems like you're going to have a lot of people with diverse backgrounds. If, if, you know, how I kind of feel that this whole staff's going to shake out that are going to be able to do multiple things that maybe our previous staff was not adept at doing. Yeah. And maybe, Talk about previous, you can probably do previous staffs all the way back to the Jeff Fisher era. Uh, but it sounds like to me that this staff, it, for this coaching staff, is going to have a diverse background of experience. Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's smart. Uh, was it Herndon, though, on your show that said that's because the Bengals are cheap as fuck? <laughs> yeah. Hey, it doesn't do matter like if they're that. cheap as fuck. Just means it, it just means it works, right? More experience is good, it, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't you can't afford two people to do the job, you know, like, so yeah, so it's kind of a little bit of everything. I look again, very clear, like almost more clearly defined than we could have ever possibly imagined with the power structure that we now know, like every single department and where they're all located. And, 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 you know, that press release was, was very, very long, but the big story after the hiring of Brian Callahan is the fact that this is exclusively now Rand Carthon show, which again could be super bowl. Good. It just is what it is. Like you have to evaluate it now and say it's Rand Carthon and Brian Callahan tied together. That was Amy Adams Strunk's decision to move the franchise forward. There's a lot of things to like about it, but it's now time to evaluate it moving forward. And so it's a uh, clear we'll move forward, too. I mean, like it's our, clearly we'll we're going into a different direction. And yeah, I that, and I think the best way to describe it is not your father's titans. Not my, yeah, not her father's Titans, not my father's Titans, nobody's daddy's Titans. There was a well-listened to podcast named named that this week. You should go check out. Uh, there you go. Football, football and other efforts. Stacking the a inbox. Very long oh. podcast. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was very lengthy. But stay to the very end to hear uh, the best an all timer phrasing uh, statement by um, Mike. One of those that makes you go phrasing. Whoa. Okay. All right. He's an all-timer right at the I, end. I might have gotten to like an hour and like 20 minutes of it, and I still might not is have it, gotten yeah, to that point. <laughs> no, you haven't. It is right before we, we exit. We, um, we, anyway, so Sinkers Beverages, the Kingston Group, buildkg.com, Sinkers Beverages. Search Uber Eats, of course, for Sinkers. They will deliver the booze directly to your house, Zach. They'll drive so you can drink. There you go. Stackintheinbox.com, uh, all kinds of stuff. And coming up next week on the show, Zach and Stoney Sobro F words, a football show all live from mobile. Stay tuned. Turn on the YouTube notifications, the Facebook notifications, turn on your Twitter.com notifications, all that good stuff. Make sure you got Zach and Stoney and all the different shows turned on because they're going to have content. I'm assuming all day, every day uh, across the board. So uh, that's going to be brought to you by bluegrass beverages and sinkers as well. So make sure you check those guys out next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Maybe, Maybe there's a new Titans head football coach down there <laughs> walking around See. Uh, check, checking out players. So uh, lots of great Senior Bowl stuff for you guys coming up next week. So great review, subscribe. And if you're watching us uh, somewhere else, Twitter or Facebook, give us a YouTube subscription. 
We'd really, really appreciate it. Uh, 440 Sports there. We do we thank you for that. So other than that, I think we're good. Uh, Titans fans, reasons to be excited. Um, Zach, I am Braden. Thank you guys for listening. Have a great weekend. Senior Bowl stuff coming up on Monday. Have a good one.